Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Welcome back to the Dark Ages. Today we're talking about a very unique piece of legislation that's going to affect every man, woman, and child in America eventually. Right now it's California legislation. It's called Senate Bill uh, 276. Uh, now, it's interesting because the proponents, the people that like this, say, look, guys, we had a bill called SB 277 that took away your personal beliefs in religious belief exemptions. It only left medical, except doctors out there are abusing this privilege of writing medical exemptions. Now, <laughs> so they passed this law to have the doctor taken out of the picture. So you go up, you talk to your doctor, you say, look, I've got one vaccine-damaged kid, and, uh, and I've got another kid that I'd rather not get vaccinated. And even though the contraindications to a vaccine is if you've already had a negative response to a vaccine, so that means to get that exemption, you have to have already been vaccine-damaged. I know that the logic sounds completely crazy, but that, that's welcome to our government and our world. So when we look at this, that doctor will write an exemption. And then it's looked at by a public or a state public health official, uh, not to interview the patient, but just to see if, those, if the exemption follows the guidelines by the CDC. So this is a, a significant precedent. Now, we only have a couple more years before adult vaccines are going to be forced. So this is part of the idea of getting the vaccines introduced into our population. So let's, let's go over this because it's, it's really interesting. The actually existing law, okay, um, and, and this is it. Existing law prohibits the governing authority of a school or institution from admitting for attendance any pupil who fails to obtain immunizations within the time limits prescribed by the State Department of Public Health. Okay, that's the existing law. So that means that uh, if you don't have uh, an appropriate uh, exemption or the vaccines, you can't get an edu- education. Now, you might say, well, what about informed consent? What about the rights of the person? Does this person get reimbursed for the taxes that they've paid um, for the school system that they can't utilize because the state is um, usurping the power to govern? Well, let's look at this. Quote, the existing law exempts those requirements a pupil whose parents have filed with the governing authority a written statement by a licensed physician to the effect that immunization is not considered safe for that child, indicating the specific nature and probable duration of the medical condition or circumstances, including but not limited to family medical history. So that's the existing law. Now, this bill, quote, would require the state public health officer or the public health officer's designee to approve or deny a medical exemption request upon determining that that request provides sufficient medical evidence and that the immunization is contraindicated by the guidelines of the Federal Center for Disease Control and Prevention. End of quote. So look at this. Is the vaccine 
um, contraindicated by the guidelines of the Center for Disease Control. So this is not just one size fits all. This is eliminating the medical, um, the, the me your medical professional that's administering the vaccine, that knows your family, that has seen vaccine damage or, or is aware of contraindications, or they've just been your doctor for a long time and, and know that your belief system is of such that this might not be the best. And so the bill goes on to further state the bill would require the state public health officer or designee to review the complete exemption request form and notify the physician and surgeon of the approval or denial of the request. The bill would authorize the state health officer or local public health officer to revoke a medical exemption if the state public health officer or local public health officer determines that the medical exemption is fraudulent or inconsistent with acceptable CDC guidelines. The bill would also make conforming changes to the existing law. Yes, your medical exemption written by the doctor who cares about you and knows the most about you, um, does not follow the acceptable CDC guidelines. Uh, anyone got a problem with that? Okay, so I sat through uh, the over hour of testimony, actually two hours of testimony. There were over a thousand people up on April 24th at this uh, state Senate hearing uh, to voice their opinion. Now, the, the Congress and government is supposed to work for us. So let's say you have the writer of a bill, you have three doctors that are supporting it, and you have about a thousand angry citizens outside voicing their opinion. Yes, you guessed it, it passed six to two. So I went through a YouTube video looking at the entire testimony. And there were some false statements made on both sides. Uh, so I went rewound, went rewound, and, and transcribed as best I could uh, what they were saying. So I'm going to run through the questions from the state Senate committee. Now think of this. They just seen um, hundreds of people coming in, and they only had about 10 seconds per person to say, hello, I'm John Smith, you know, I'm a nurse, I have three children, I oppose this bill. Hello, I'm Jane Smith, you know, I have five children, two of them are vaccine damaged, I oppose this bill. So imagine that going on hour after hour. Okay, now, one of the questions, and you could tell that some of the state committee members were um, I mean, they, they already knew going in that they were going to vote for it. It was completely along the party lines. And this was a question by one of those representatives who already was, um, they, they knew what they were going to do. And, and I just could, couldn't imagine. Well, well, imagine if you will, okay, you are lit, you're passing a bill that over a thousand angry parents and damaged kids uh, don't want passed because they know for a fact that this forced medical procedure causes damage because they cite, see it in their kids. So here's a question um, this bought and paid for senator asked. Would an immunized child be safer in a classroom where other students are immunized? Now he asked this question of one of the pro-choice um, doctors. Uh, pro-choice meaning that giving the choice of the medical exemption back to the doctor away from the state official. 
Uh, answer. We have a 96% vaccine coverage in the recent pertussis outbreaks. 100% of those fully vaccinated um, got pertussis. And 18 students that did not have vaccinations did not get pertussis. So regardless of your vaccine status, we have not seen that the protection is there. Okay, that was the answer. Okay, clear, concise. Now, I would like to see a discussion where they actually bring science, scientific data, maybe some journal articles would be cool. So then, here we go. Um, another question by, by the bought and paid for senator. Uh, what if you have an immune compromised child? That child would like to go to school and they would be at more risk if there are more un immunized children in the class. Or would they be more at risk uh, if there's unimmunized children in the classroom? Uh, from one of the pro-choice doctors, absolutely. That child would be more protected if there are high immunized rates. End of quote. Okay, now, not only is that statement false, that 5% of everyone that gets the measles vaccine gets, um, gets symptoms just like measles, but of the 194 kids or people that got the measles in the Disneyland epidemic, 76 of those got it from the measles vaccine. So if you get a live, live virus vaccine, you can actually spread it. And if you're aware of any of the, the stats on pertussis, that it actually increases pertussis B, so it makes you more susceptible and more shedding. But let's look at some, um, some of the other um, questions and answers. Now, here's an answer from a doctor who supports SB276. Quote, I have seen higher rates of disease in clusters of the unvaccinated. It is the unvaccinated driving the current epidemics that we are experiencing. End of quote. Okay, so when we look at this, did she bring up any stats or facts? No, none at all. Um, now, let's look at another question. Um, we don't have evidence of fatalities. What are the public health risks of measles? Here's an answer from a doctor that supports SB 276. And you'll hear this repeated over and over on the, the news. Measles can cause one in a thousand rates of encephalitis, which is brain infection or death. There's an Israeli flight attendant who's in a coma from a measles infection. This is a very serious infectious disease with a high infection and death rate. Now, I'm going to go over and detail out the false statements in that testimonial um, because she's either completely ignorant or lying through her teeth. Uh, a question. There were some testimonials that we don't have fatalities from the measles. Would a child who is not the appropriate age for measles vaccine be more at risk if they were exposed to the measles? Again, a question from one of the bought and paid senators. Answer from a doctor who supports SB 276. Absolutely. They can't be vaccinated until 12 to 15 months old. Those are the most vulnerable. Those are the ones we're trying to protect. End of quote. Now, 
um, she didn't bring up that we're causing this problem, that before the measles vaccine, maternal immunity was passed down through the breast milk and through the mom that protected the child up until about three, where their immune system was strong enough where they could catch measles and be protected for the rest of their life. So she did not reveal to the committee that the entire vaccine program is putting those infants at risk because of ignorance. Uh, and then here's a question for Dr. Pan. How do you respond to the first opponent who talked about whether or not it was appropriate for a public health professional, for the lack of a better word, trumping a physician's recommendation? And Dick Pan replied, the granting of a medical exemption is truly a public health issue, not a doctor's decision. Wow. Okay, so let's look at stats and facts, okay, just to see what kind of BS is going on in Sacramento and how it doesn't matter how many millions of people show up or how many people vote against it, they already have an agenda. Let's look at the Journal of Clinical Microbiology. Quote, since approximately 5% of the recipients of a measles virus-containing vaccine experience rash and fever, which may be indistinguishable from measles. Of the 194 measles sequences obtained in the United States in 2015, at, that, well, at the Disneyland epidemic, 73 were identified as vaccine sequences. In contrast, only 11 of 542 cases um, were discovered in Germany that were the vaccine sequence. Of course, Germany only has one MMR, and we have two MMRs uh, required. So, you know, really? And then that, that ignorant statement of one in a thousand. Let's actually look at the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare vital statistics. Um, and this is going from 1940 to 1968. So they covered a lot of years, and this is pre-vaccine. Um, they showed that one in 20,000 cases of measles uh, infection caused encephalitis. Now, that wasn't permanent encephalitis. It was temporary. Or you had a 0.40 and a 5. Okay, now, residual neurologic injury. That's 1 in 80,000 cases. Okay, 1 in 80,000. Now, think of this. Uh, it's 1 in 1,250 uh, uh, people that take a Tylenol have damage. Now, measles seizures is three for every 10,000 cases. And in fact, when you look at the World Health Organization, they said measles fatality rate in underdeveloped nations where vitamin A deficiency is prevalent is about three to six of the reported cases. However, it's 30 to 60 times higher than in developed countries. So all we need to do is give people with vitamin A. Let's look at the American Journal of Epidemiology. Um, quote, and this is the future of measles in a highly immunized population modeling approach. Quote, little is known about the intensive measles elimination program and the overall immune status of the population. With the institution of the measles immunization program, the proportion of susceptibles fell to 3.1% from 1978 through 81, then began to rise about one-tenth of a percent per year. So by 2050, you will be more at risk, even if you're fully vaccinated, 
um, because we're screwing up the immune system. Then you look at the Journal of Toxicology and Environmental Health. The title of the article is A Positive Association Found Between Autism Prevalence and Childhood Vaccination Uptake Across the U.S. Uh, the results suggest that although mercury has been removed from many vaccines, the culprit um, may link vaccines to autism. Then we know in kids with measles, antibodies, pediatric neurology. Now, these are absolutely pro-vaccine journals. Quote, elevated levels of measles antibodies in children with autism. Virus-induced autoimmunity may play a causal role in autism. The autistic children have a hyperimmune response to measles virus, uh, which in the absence of wild measles infection might be a sign of an abnormal immune system response to the vaccine strain or virus reaction. In English, that means the vaccine is causing autism. Okay, let's look at the Journal of Toxicology. Quote, all these findals plausibly implicate aluminum adjuvants in pediatric vaccines has causal um, factors contributing to the increased rates of autism. So I'm going to have a chart because this is totally a political thing. It's not based in science. If it was based in science, you'd have science data on science data, not these um, opinions of bought and paid for doctors and bought and paid for senators who are going into this. Can you imagine sitting there looking at a vaccine-damaged child being held by a mom who's pissed off and educated and knowing that you're going to vote against something that's going to create more situations like that? Man, it's time to break out the pitchforks. Okay, so when we look, and I'm going to go up the diseases, and we're going to cover polio, measles, pertussis, tetanus, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, chicken pox, um, hepatitis B, Hib, on the fatality or harm rate. Okay, and what it was like before the vaccine. Because if you were to just listen to the news, you would think, good God, without vaccines, our entire world population would be, you know, could fit on Noah's Ark. Okay, well, that's not true. Every one of those diseases, the percentage of the population not harmed was at least minimum 99.997% of the population. Okay, now if you get a disease that 99.997% of the population is not harmed, okay, should you look at vaccinate everyone or just look at that percentage of the population? Okay, now we got um, more craziness because it's not just our state um, state uh, governing agencies that are bought and paid for. We have former secretary or former Senator Joe Lieberman and former Homeland Security Secretary Tom Ridge. I just need to read this. Okay, and, and you'll see it was an article in USA Today. And again, when I'm reading this stuff and you had a 99.997% chance of not being harmed, and we know that the vaccine can actually spread the disease and cause harm, okay, what did they write? 
a devastating infectious disease pandemic could kill more people than nuclear war. Just a hundred years ago, the Spanish killed flu killed between 50 and 100 million people. Life-threatening diseases continue places at risk. Ten years ago, it was H1N1. Today, it's the measles. Okay, I thought I read it fairly well. Okay, so this is all psychosis. Let's look at, and I'm going to have facts and stats, because if you look at vaccination rates before 1985, uh, there was 0% coverage of Hep B, Hepatitis B, Influenza, PCV, Rotavirus, Hib, Varicella, Hepatitis A, and Meningococcal. There was zero coverage of that because those vaccines weren't required and they weren't in existence. When we look at DPT, polio, and MMR, you had maximum of 60% of the population coverage. We now have 96% of the population coverage and a tremendous amount. We're talking three times more of the vaccines. Uh, however, the population is getting sicker. Uh, and we're going to go over the number of measles reported cases because for some reason I keep hearing that measles was eliminated by the year 2000. And that's not true. Okay, we've had outbreaks every year since, and they go from 63 to nearly 700. Um, and so where did all this come from? Well, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was passed in 1986, and it was the purpose of it to, to reduce the potential financial liability of the vaccine manufacturers due to vaccine injury claims. That's right. The, the, not only did the pharmaceutical industry pay Congress to pass a law eliminating any liability, um, they also got the, the, the I mean, it, it's just mind-blowing to think that there is no liability for this product. And in 86, uh, you're talking 12 vaccines. And in 93, there were 54. Then 96, there were 68. And then you see it go up exponentially to now it's 72 doses. And all of these vaccines that we're giving our children, there is no liability on them. And back in 86, there were so many lawsuits that the companies were going out of business. Now, the idea for the adverse event reporting system is this is if your child actually gets an injury, who do you report it to? Well, you're supposed to, the, the people that are getting the vaccine are supposed to be provided with a written vaccine benefit and risk information before the vaccine takes place. Now, that is no longer done because that's called informed consent. Back in 86, you had the right to say, gee, don't think it's a good idea, or yeah, let me put my kid at risk. I think the risk of the vaccine um, is less than the risk of the disease. You know, letting the parent or the doctor decide. That makes sense. But not anymore. We let the state public health official is even in the, the form that the CDC came up with is more accurate than what a parent is going to see. Now, this is estimated by the Health and Human Services, that the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System only receives between 1% and 10% of all the adverse events. Now, let's look at PACE Environmental Law Review. They said that in 1986, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Act was passed. 
And back then, since then, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Act, and this uh, review was written in 2011, they had uh, approximately paid out 2,500 claims of vaccine injury. Now, the study found 83 cases of acknowledged vaccine injury to brain damage that include autism, speech disorder, social communication, and other um, behavior issues. And so you might think, well, wait a second. I heard that vaccines don't cause autism, but the government is paying out. The, The review goes on to state, This finding of autism in compensated cases of vaccine injury is significant. The U.S. government spokespersons have been asserting no vaccine autism link for more than a decade. Uh, And in fact, Health and Human Services, on their website, they say has never concluded in any case that autism was caused by a vaccine. However, using publicly available information, um, the Vaccine Injury Compensation has compensated vaccine injury-induced brain damage associated with autism for more than 20 years. Uh, this investigation calls on Congress to get answers to these criti- critically important unanswered questions. Now, let's look at this. What is, because people talk about one in a thousand. Well, however, guess what the measles vaccine can cause? They cause subsclerosing panencephalitis. Now, the frequency of uh, subsclerosing panencephalitis, SSBE, in the United States was much higher, higher in the early 90s. About 12 cases um, were linked to outbreaks of measles. Now, in the 60s or 70s, it was only about 8 point, so we're looking at now 12 cases per 55 or 12 cases of subsclerosing panencephalitis uh, when only 55,000 cases of measles. In the 60s and 70s, before that shot, there were about 8.5 cases per million. So this is a 25-fold increase of subsclerosing panencephalitis uh, due to the lack of maternal immunoprotection. So when that bought-and-paid-for doctor talking to the bought-and-paid-for senator um, says, look, we have to protect the little kids, this article says that it's because of the vaccine program and the lack of maternal immunoprotection. So we caused the problem, and now we're going to uh, induce it. Where do we get this data from? How about the Journal of Pediatrics? that says increased susceptibility to measles in infants in the United States. This is back in 1999. And it says those infants who are, whose mothers were born after 1963 are more susceptible to measles than that of older mothers because of an increasing proportion of infants born in the United States are susceptible because the mothers are getting vaccinated. Wow. So mothers cannot protect their children if we're vaccinating the mothers. Now, we're going to cover a lot of other data. We're going to cover a lot of um, facts. But I just want you to understand that this is not a safe product. What, why in 1986 did it jump to 23 doses of seven vaccines? 
1997, it was 33 doses of nine vaccines. 2016, 69 doses of 16 vaccines. 2017, 72 doses of 17 vaccines. And this is all a liability-free product that's now forced on, on, on the, the public without even a doctor's um, uh, note being accepted. Uh, now, we know that there are benefits from getting measles. You actually, a naturally acquired infection, you could pass it on to your child. There's reduced risk of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, fever, hay fever, eczema, asthma, and there's even lower mortality risk of cardiovascular disease. We're going to cover all of this data uh, in, in tonight, and, you know, it's really a, a bait and switch. How are people actually going along with this how because it's fear and ignorance and in the the media isn't doing the research obviously the doctors aren't doing the research we really need to change um take back our control now the reason that they're just focusing in on measles is to get you scared of the kids and then to turn neighbor against neighbor on people that are not getting vaccines and that's that's criminal but it it is a pattern that works really well it worked well for hitler it worked well for stalin and it works really well for the cdc and the pharmaceutical industry we need to just say no no compliance do not go along with it um, we need to fire the congress fire the senators and get people in there who believe that freedom of choice um, guaranteed by our Constitution, and right to, pro to, to a jury trial, which is in our Constitution, be brought back so that all we could do is, is bring back liability to the pharmaceutical industry. That would be cool. So they'd have to pay for the damage. So we need long-term randomized control trials using true placebos. We need product liability put back on the manufacturers and personal choice on what medical procedure you choose to do on you or you choose not to do. We gotta take back our, our rights and our health. The bodies are piling up. 54% of our kids have a chronic illness or disease. Uh, the line is drawn here, as Captain Picard would say. Make a stance, do the research, look at informed action consent network, look at physicians for informed um, consent, make a stand, do the research, and we're going to have all of this data available tonight on our live Facebook and next week on YouTube. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.